Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Rogers Place tonight. The Edmonton Oilers, the Vancouver Canucks preseason action. Pre-game on 6.30, Chet at 5.30, puck drop at 7 o'clock. Jack Michaels, Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, and myself on the Oilers Radio Network. Royal Pizza celebrating 50 years in Edmonton. Still making it great. On through October, Royal Pizza offering the combo special. Your choice of Greek or Caesar salad with garlic toast, two medium gourmet pizzas, and four anniversary cookies. All for just 50 bucks. Pick that up at any of their 14 Edmonton and area locations. All right. As promised, it's going to be a thrill for me to have on our show uh, a guy that I watched uh, in my late teens and then later had a chance to to learn from, to work a bit with. We welcome longtime Oilers television play-by-play voice and now author Bruce Buchanan. Hello, Bruce. How are you doing? Hello, Bob. I'm doing fine. Were you really in your teens when you were listening to me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was going to, you know, it's funny because uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I started working at ITV in 1989-90. I shotlisted on uh, Darren Detition's show. And as you know, I was uh, very cocky. Uh, <laughs> not, not, a, not as smart as I uh, thought I was. And, you know, 30 years later, uh, Bruce, I'm still quite cocky and not as smart as I thought to think I am. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the years go, Bob. I really don't. But, uh, yeah, I, I certainly remember having you around. Yeah. Uh, and full disclosure, I, I didn't often get a chance to do stats for you because I was usually, uh, you know, Larry Isaac was kind enough through John Sexsmith to uh, John hooked me up with that stats gig. And, but I always ended up on the visiting feeds because I was there all day doing Funk Ward and stats. But we did have the occasional game together. and we had a lot of laughs back in the day. Uh, for Oilers fans, you know, you were you were their guy during the glory days of the Edmonton Oilers. And I know that's part of the reason why you, 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 you wrote the book. And we'll get more on that in a second. But just a thought on having the privilege of calling, you know, those midweek, uh, midweek games for ITV back in the day when the Oilers were the best organization in the NHL, Bruce. Yeah, Bob, it was a dream come true. It really was. And, I mean, I grew up, I knew when I was seven or eight years old what I wanted to do in, in my life, and I was become a sports broadcaster. And then to have the opportunity to be hired by uh, ITV, which is now global, when I was 23 years old to do the Oiler games on the midweek games, and my timing couldn't have been better, as you said, because that's uh, that's just the time they were becoming the dynasty and winning all the Stanley Cups. And most of the great players on the team were around the same age as me. So it was definitely a broadcaster's dream come true. The traveling entourage, you guys flew commercially then, but it would have been a little bit smaller. Like there was only one bus. Now there's a separate media bus, right? Uh, And so I'm sure, uh, you know, it must have been a pretty cool experience just seeing the, you know, going to those, I mean, going, because you did Brandon before, right? You did the Wheat Kings before you. Yeah. I mean, maybe just talk to us about taking that step from going from major junior hockey to the NHL, and not just the NHL, but the NHL with Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, it was a it was a huge step, and I don't think I really realized what a huge step it was at the time, Bob. But uh, 
you know, I used to get a kick out of the reaction of uh, being around the players and seeing the reaction of uh, fans in the airports because, uh, or just the general public in the airports because, as you said, we didn't uh, we didn't travel on charters back then. We traveled commercial, and of course, a lot of the orders would be sitting in the waiting lounges, and you could see people kind of murmuring and whispering and recognizing some of the players and. And it was, that, that was kind of the neat part, just seeing the reaction of, uh, you know, having the Oilers in their midst. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. I mean, chartering is great, but the thing I didn't like about chartering was we always left right after the game and we'd get into the next destination, as you know, about 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yep. And, you know, we always kind of look forward to going out and having a couple of beers after the game and hanging out in the city we were in, depending on where we were. So that was kind of the, the, the big difference. All right. Uh, who came up with the concept for you to write this book, There and Gone? <laughs> well, you know what? It was actually a friend of mine who I met here in Saskatoon. And as you may or may not know, I'm now in the safety business, and I was working at a job at Agri and Vanskoy. And one of our accountants out there was a huge sports fan. So between jobs, we'd often meet up for a, a couple of beers and, and kind of talk sports in general, watching the Blue Jays playoff games or something. And I started telling him a few stories about my days as a broadcaster with the Oilers. And, and uh, Bentley's this man's name, and he reads a lot of sports books. And after I told him a few of my stories, he said, Bruce, you should write a book. He says, I think some of the stories you've told me are more interesting than anything I've read. So that's how it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And I've worked on it for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I think that's what people w- would enjoy about reading the book is that there are a lot of pretty humorous stories in there all right well without uh opening up the full kimono a business term there for you bruce on there and gone are there a couple pg-13 they don't even have to be that pg uh are there a couple stories you could sort of relay to our listeners as to what they might be getting if they go out and uh because i know you're coming to town and we'll get to that in a second here but uh you know are there a couple stories for there and gone that you can uh, maybe share with us well, I tried to be, you know, I tried to be careful. I, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to get myself in too much trouble. I think one of the more entertaining stories is the trip home after the 1990 Stanley Cup final when we were on a charter from Boston and uh, coming home on the five-hour flight, and then the party that ensued afterwards at Port Messier. So that's that's a pretty interesting story. Um, I talk, uh, I talk a lot about. Um, uh, the opportunity to work in the old rinks like Maple Leaf Gardens and Boston Garden and the old Chicago Stadium, uh, that was a real privilege because, as you know, Bob, most of the rinks nowadays are pretty much the same. Yep. Whereas back in those days, you uh, you know, you had the different nuances, different dimensions and, and things that you worked on in the older rinks, so that was kind of neat. You know, I talk a lot about the, the fantastic players I had the opportunity to broadcast for, and, you know, without naming names, I think we can kind of figure out who I'd be talking about there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it just kind of talks about my career path, the, the opportunity to uh, to uh, get to broadcast for the Oilers at such a young age, be around all those great players. And I think one of the chapters I enjoyed uh, most is uh, talking about all the uh, terrific people I had the opportunity to work with, my analysts that you mentioned, Larry Isaac, the producer, uh, you know, I, I worked with some just uh, fantastic people over the years, and and that's that's kind of what it's it's a it's kind of a feel good storybook. Well, uh, North, Dunner and North Van has texted the show on our Heartland Ford text line. Bob Bruce Buchanan's call of Wayne's empty net goal in Chicago to continue his point streak is a vivid memory of mine. Does he have any recollection of that uh, moment? 
Well, I don't know if I, the specific one, but, uh, you know, I do talk about some of the, despite the fact we didn't do every game, I did get the opportunity to call a lot of uh, uh, milestone goals right. in my career. That was one of them. Of course, they were talking about Wayne's streak. Um, you know, I, I called uh, Wayne's record-setting point uh, the night that he, he did it in uh, in Edmonton against Los Angeles. I called Paul Coffey's uh, a record-breaking goal that uh, eclipsed Bobby Orr's mark uh, when he scored against Vancouver. Uh, and I think you may recall that it wasn't even an Oilers goal. It was a Denny Savard goal that I called yes. in Chicago back in the mid-'80s that uh, for quite some time was recognized as one of the greatest goals in NHL history, and I was the only one who ever called that goal because at that time, Mr. Wirtz, who owned the Blackhawks, uh, refused to broadcast the home game, so we were the only show in town. And I was the only guy that ever called that goal. So I, re- I remember running into Denny Savard a few years later and telling him that. So, yeah, I, I did have the chance to call uh, call quite a few, uh, uh, you know, milestone goals. Long-time Oilers play-by-play television voice, Bruce Buchanan, joining us in Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer with you. I remember you did the 12-9 game as well. And yeah. and uh, and I brought this up off. Wayne Gretzky, by the way, Bruce will be on tomorrow's show. We're actually going to talk about the Canada Cup tomorrow. We're going to do a top and tail because we're going to have Wayne on to open the show in the first half hour, and then we're going to close with Brent Sutter. And they were both, as you know, you would remember huge parts of Canada's uh, victory in '87 because Sutter's line turned the game around against Russia in Game Three. <laughs> Anyhow, I remember the 12-9 game because they put any time that did Glenn say they put uh, Curry and Anderson up with Wayne sometimes when Messier but they were unstoppable like if that yeah. line played together full time they might have you know Yerry Curry might have scored 75 goals on average per year and Wayne would have had even more points and Glenn Anderson would have been a 60 goal scorer but a 12 9 like do you think about the offense not just the offense but the fights too because you also called the game in LA uh, the, which is one of my fa- I've only referenced it 647,000 times over the last 18 years hosting shows in this market. But you called that game as well. I mean, you you had the perfect lots of goals and lots of fights. What's better than that? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what, Bob? I, I kind of like the way the NHL is uh, getting back to a little more offense. For a while there, I found the game kind of boring, the way they were playing the trap and trying to prevent goals instead of scoring them. You know, the scoring was up last year. Um you know, the Oilers, the, the one thing about broadcasting for the Oilers, they didn't trail very much, but you always felt like they were going to win the hockey game because of the offensive power that they were. And that made it such a pleasure for me as a, as a play-by-play broadcaster because, you know, they could score at any time. And that's what makes it exciting when you're doing play-by-play to think that your team can score at, uh, at any given moment. So uh, do me a favor, say hello to Wayne for me tomorrow. I haven't talked to him in in years, and uh, I'd like you to say hello to him when you're talking to him on the show tomorrow. Bruce, I was I was mentioning to another former partner of yours, um, John Garrett, that I was yeah. gonna, I saw John Tuesday. We would have had John on today's show, but he's actually. F- uh, physically on the plane as we speak right now. He loved, he, he said, you know, obviously loved working with you, um, but he told a story. He thinks you guys, it, it, it was, somebody was spiking Tim Spellacy's, uh food 
with hot <laughs> with 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 hot sauce on the road. Speller Speller might even be listening right now. Uh, yes. But uh, was that all part of the pranks that went on when you guys were would eat after? Because John Garrett, as we know, is a big chicken wing guy, as am I. <laughs> Can never go wrong with chicken wings, right? As no, a rule of no. thumb. But uh, did, did did some hijinks and shenanigans occasionally happen with the broadcasters? that may have increased the intake of maybe some uh, adult beverages to appease some spicier food that maybe shouldn't have been as spicy as it was. How often did this sort of stuff actually happen, Bruce? That's what I want to know. Well, I don't think we did it real often, but I, I do re- I do recall that story. In fact, I didn't put that one in my book. I could have, but um, if Speller is listening, <laughs> I don't know if we ever fessed up who actually was involved, but... Uh, we were at a bar in Pittsburgh, and we ordered some uh, some pizza, and uh, somehow Tim got distracted, and uh, I think it was Mark Askin, our producer at the time, and I'm sure Garrett and I were involved. We decided to get some uh, hot sauce and put it on the pizza, and then um, arranged so that Tim was uh, eating the slices that we'd put the hot sauce on. And, uh, yeah, it took him about 15 or 20 minutes to realize that... Uh, that uh, <laughs> there was hot sauce on the pizza, and yeah, he wasn't very happy about that. But oh yeah, we we had the we played the occasional prank. And I want to say one thing about Garrett is uh, I probably worked more games with John Garrett than anybody else, and he's just a terrific guy. Um, the thing I loved about John was, and I think I say it in the book, it didn't matter what time his flight was leaving the next morning, he'd always go out and have a couple of usually two cores light at a time and some chicken wings and onion rings for his. Uh, we're his food of choice, but uh, yeah, I'm happy to see John still working those Vancouver Canuck games, and and uh, yeah, he he and I had a lot of fun together over the years. All right, Bruce, uh, we got a bunch of texts that have come in, so I want to read them here for you. Oh man, I've been transported back to my early teens. Bruce's voice is etched in my brain. I'd love to hear a few more now, if possible, from Oilers. Jay, uh, hey Bob, can you tell Bruce Buchanan, Gord Bridges says hi. Haven't seen him since working together at OJ Pipelines. He still holds the record for my birdies truck I had to pull out. Best safety beatings to date. I That must be an inside joke that I don't, uh, I don't know. By the way, speaking of jokes, uh, full disclosure, as you know, John Sexsmith emceed my wedding. You burned me the best of anybody at the wedding. <laughs> Uh, something, something about uh, yeah, having a, a reflective mirror uh, above the bed on the wedding night, and I believe you said, uh, "What was it? Uh, objects appear closer than they really are." Something they appear, they appear larger than they really are. Yes, something like that. <laughs> Thank you for that, Bruce. It left an indelible impression on my mind, and that's that's all I'll say on that front. So you're coming to town uh, this uh, this weekend uh, for. Uh, what do they call us in the uh, in the writing fraternity? Now that you've gone and written this book called There and Gone, is this called a personal appearance, or what? What exactly do they call it, Bruce? Well, I guess it'd be, you could look at it as a personal appearance. Uh, the timing wasn't very good. Finding out that the orders, and uh, I guess I should have checked the schedule when I see the orders and Eskimos are, are playing tomorrow night. But uh, no, we're going to be at Audrey's Bookstore tomorrow night at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, tomorrow's is called a book signing. I actually did a book launch in Saskatoon about uh, three weeks or a month ago. It went very well. My publisher showed up, and uh, and so tomorrow we're at Audrey's doing a book signing. I'd love to see some, you know, former fans and friends, and and I'll be happy to sign a copy for them. And uh, also have one scheduled in uh, Brandon, I think, in in three weeks or whatever. But it's just a way to 
kind of get out there and meet people and, and talk about the book, and they can ask me questions if they like, and I'll be happy to try and answer them. And, and uh, really looking forward to my return. I'm I'm a Saskatchewan boy now, live in Saskatoon, been here about eight years now, so I don't get to Edmonton that often, but when I do, I try and fit in a golf game, which I'm doing on Saturday with my old Windermere buddies, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend, Bob. All right, uh, a couple more quick hitters for you. Your favorite specific call, was it the Savard goal? Well, I don't like to say that. I, I've never really thought about what specific call I had. You know, I had, I had so many, Bob, and that I, I guess that's the... That's one of the ones that's most famous, but you know, I'd like to think that uh, uh, my call on an Oiler goal, probably Gretzky's record-setting point, is probably the the highlight. But I mean, they gave me so many highlights with all those great sure. players that they had. So, yeah, I don't know if I have one specific, but I had I had many uh, many that I remember. Let's put it that way. Best uh, place uh, to visit on the road. Best place to visit on the road was no doubt Montreal, which I talk about a lot in my book. Uh, my favorite place to ever call a game was Chicago, the old Chicago Stadium. Uh, back then, we did games right from the stands, and, and uh, you had to get to know the fans before the game and get them on your side so they wouldn't pour beer on you if the orders were filling the net. So, uh, yeah, and as I say, I found that to be a real thrill, too, to have the opportunity to work in all those old rinks. Uh, I know that uh, Rod Phillips, who is a big fan of yours as well and supportive of you over the years, uh, and I did the final two years of Rod's career. And I think, was it Chicago or Buffalo where the couple got in the fight in the crowd and the, the, the woman started, she started the lawnmower, to paraphrase a former co-worker of yours, Darren Detition. Uh, she started the lawnmower on the fella. But... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Chicago, and if it was, hey, it's a city of broad shoulders, no pun intended, so maybe that's where it happened. Well, it could have been New York City, too. We used to see a lot of fights at uh, Madison Square Garden as well, but uh, I haven't seen Rod for a while. I don't know how he's doing, but uh, I'll tell you what, there was no one more enthusiastic when it came to calling a hockey game than Rod Phillips, and uh, we shared the occasional glass of wine on charters coming home and or on the road and, and whatever, and we'd go out for dinner once in a while, you know, sometimes the the newspaper guys and the radio guys and the TV guys that all get together and go out for dinner on the road. And You know what, Bob, the greatest thing about that job is I never considered it work. And uh, I don't know if, uh, I know you're a hard worker and everything else, but boy, when you can when you can live and talk about something you really enjoy, like sports, uh, you know, I don't, I never even considered it work when I was calling the other games. And, uh, and uh, you know, that that's pretty nice when you get out of bed in the morning and not call it work. Well, and you nailed it, you know. And when you tree plant for 11 years to get an opportunity to do this, you'd block slap shots in the nude, not a visual anybody needs to see, but, <laughs> but you love doing it. Uh, you mentioned you were in the safety business for a while. Have you? Because you, you, not that you're getting up there, you're still a young man, but are, uh, have you cut back a bit and kind of working part-time? Or what? besides writing the book, what, what else are you doing these days? Yeah, uh, by the way, I am getting up there, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of a hit-and-miss uh, world in safety right now. As you know, the economy is uh, is pretty hit-and-miss. So uh, in this business here, in the safety business, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yep. And uh, you kind of, right now, I'm just, uh, I had a job in, in Estherese, Saskatchewan a couple of months ago, and now I'm just kind of sitting back waiting for my next opportunity. And with, uh, with the book launch, I wanted a couple of months off anyway, but... No, I'd still, uh, I'd still uh, take a couple of safety jobs if I could get them, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Bruce, great talking with you. Good luck tomorrow night at Audrey's, and enjoy that golf game out of the windy. Oh, 
Okay, I will uh, certainly do that, Bob. I certainly appreciate you having me on, and uh, I've never met anybody who knows more about uh, sports statistics than you do. You used to amaze me the way we could uh, talk about a player in the NHL guide, some obscure player, and you'd come up with a name. And uh, so I thank you very much for having me on. I do appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you soon, and uh, good luck to the Oilers this year. All right, great stuff, Bruce. We will have you on again. Thanks a lot. That's Bruce Buchanan. The book again, There and Gone. I know Brendan Escott has tweeted out a link to that book as well. And for many of you, uh, I'm sure right now, it, uh, it's warming a part of your heart hearing that voice because he's just that guy. You know, Rod and, Rod and Bruce, man, I mean, if you're – this is – I'm going to tell you right now, Ken Holland – you know, Ken Holland had a lot of success in Detroit, and the Red Wings were special, and players wanted to play there. And that was starting to slide because it inevitably came to an end after 25 years. Um, it's a long time to be on top, and there tends to be a cyclical nature in sports, and the Oilers benefited. I mean, when the Oilers were really great, Detroit wasn't that good. And uh, the goal, without putting words into Ken Holland's mouth, but the goal... Uh, is to get Edmonton back to be in that place on the ice. And a lot of hard work needs to be done. You got to grind, you got to grind, you got to grind. We'll say that for sure. You can text us at 6.30, 6.30. Tweet us at Oilers now. Lots of texts coming in. And uh, we need to uh, go to break here. Wow, I think I screwed up. I went right up to 155. Here's what, Brendan, we're going to have to bolt. Uh, I'm going to have to blast through this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you by our friends of New West Travel. They've got events coming up, uh, trips in uh, February and March to Tampa Bay and Chicago. What do you got, Brendan, this day in Oilers history? Well, back in 2009, in his first game back with his hometown Oilers, Mike Comrie assists on every goal in a 4 nothing win over the Panthers. He also fought uh, Eric Himmelfarb and had the uh, Rexall Plays crowd chant in his name. All right, uh, not Himmelfarb's, Comrie's. Uh, we will head off to, uh, that wraps up. Uh, hey, we're, we're shutting her down here because uh, we've merged two breaks together. We want to go along with Bruce Buchanan. Wraps up the Thursday edition of Oilers Now next Thursday. Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack back on the Oilers now. Tomorrow, Wayne Gretzky, Elliot Friedman, Mark Spector, Brent Sutter. Loaded show tonight, pregame show, 5.30, Oilers and Canucks. Off to a global news weather traffic update with uh, Kerry McCarthy. Followed by the 6.30 Jet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody, for now from Rogers Place. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.